Reed, what are you wearing? <laughs> I'm wearing hard pants today. They're they're like they are four inches too big in the waist, and the belt is uh is really ramped down. I think it's through like the third buckle, and it's still pretty loose on me. But uh, yeah, I have a I I do have no elastic in these pants. Okay, what are hard pants for you? Because like based on my previous knowledge, like I would consider like you defining something as hard pants of being like sweats with a with a fly. Uh, the fly is integral. Um, button also. These are made. These have no elastic in the waistband. That's like literally the only qualification. Because otherwise, I think they're like probably like a seven ounce ripstop, cotton ripstop. They're super lightweight. And uh, do they have a drawstring? No, they don't. They don't. They're com- they're like actually pants. They're- I just bought them way too big because, uh, like, I bought a th- I bought a thirty two. Um, and I think they might even run bigger than they should. What is the pant? What is the pant? Uh, they are the 18 East, uh, Pat, what are they? The patch knee? That one? Oh, double knee? The double knee. The double knee. Oh, the one with like the quilted Yeah. Knee? Yeah, it's got like a cool quilted stitch pattern going on. Like a, they're good. They're really lightweight. It was like 70 degrees. I was walking around. The soft end of the hard pant world. But still, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it is my hardest end of of my pant world. But yeah, it's I guess it's the soft end of the hard pant world. Welcome back to Blowout. My name is David Shuck. I am here with co-host reed nelson how's it going reed it's going well david how are you good good not wearing hard pants either but you know we 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 all have our off days and uh also here with albert muskies did i fuck that up again i'm sorry yeah yeah that's that's uh that's gonna be muskies muskies i had a moment where i just like froze and i was like i'm gonna ruin it but i'm just gonna go for it Muskies. You say it like it's like a dive bar in Greenpoint. <laughs> like head on over to Muskies. <laughs> Albert, thank you for being here with us. Thank you for having me. I'm also wearing a soft, hard pant. I'm wearing a World War II Army Chino I got at the Rose Bowl. Nice and big. We're not going to get you to that uh, easy pant life, maybe, but uh, I like that we've, we've sort of ballooned out the silhouette. I mean, the silhouette was ballooning. I, that, you guys can all take credit for that. I will say I'm very attracted to the Battenware climbing sh- or those shorts they do, the kind of one with the belt. That looks like a soft pant. I like those too. And that is absolutely, that's like right in the wheelhouse. That, that I am into. That I am probably going to get. Speaking of us all as Americans wearing pants, that is uh, just a stone's throw away from the new Met Gala theme that was just announced this week, which is. You guessed it, American fashion, which uh, pretty broad topic there, a very broad stroke is like thinking of what the Met Gala has been in previous seasons or previous years. It usually focuses on a designer or like a more specific theme like Ray Kuakubo of Come Dig Garçon or like Camp was one a few years ago where this is just very broad uh, American fashion. Like, in America, a lexicon of fashion will open in the Anna Wintour Costume Center on September 18th, 2021. 
and will remain on display when In America, an anthology of fashion, opens on May 5th, 2022. Oh, uh, American fashion. What What is the first thing that comes to your head when you hear American fashion? Because it's, it's just sort of like drawing a blank of like trying to, uh, I don't know, just like uh, imagine something that's that broad. It's a Justin Timberlake denim tuxedo, I think, is coming to mind. Justin and Brittany, I, I could feel that, that that's very American. It's like hearing American fashion doesn't conjure up good things. Like, Yeah, I think I go more American, less fashion and think of like the Merrill Encore clog. You know what I'm talking about? It's got no laces. Kind of slip it on. But the, the Merrill junk, the jungle mock. Yeah, yeah. Like, though, not it has no holes in it. Like, I'm talking about the smooth suede upper. Dads might have yeah, six the, pairs uh, lined up, like the clean ones, the going out pair. Uh huh. The dirty ones, the yard work pair. That's like to me. That's like the most quintessential. You have to wear them with like a very specific shade of blue jean, and like a Costco brand micro fleece. So that is that is your outfit if you're you're attending the Met Gala for for 2021. You'd be rolling up in the the Merrill mock with some I think that'd be kind of fire to be honest like just like you just go straight Kirkland across the board that's the populist fit right there yeah just like really lean into the American part maybe I I'd probably take it more seriously if I got an invitation I think you got to go Crocs like Crocs are the they're the most worn shoe in America and we invented them they're they're a Colorado thing there's like wow. there's like a case to be made also though for like the Air Monarch 2 the white and navy pair, the Nike, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that like people tried to co-op, like cool kids tried to co-op, but it's like ultimately you can still find that thing on the shelves of every outlet in America. Fair, fair, and I feel like you have to have jeans. That's that's like a uh, a given that it has to be some sort of denim involved in the fit. Like I would be surprised if anyone shows up to this without having some denim. Uh, like the denim involved can't be our denim. Like that that's that's not American denim anymore. It has to be something like, you know, true religion or like Kmart rustlers or like Wrangler eleven MWZs that are stonewashed to hell. Chrome hearts if you're like really into that life or a Mary. Um or like is the Bing Crosby tux too on the nose? That feels wow. too good. I feel that's like they good. they don't deserve that. We don't deserve that. To be honest, no one deserved that. Bing Crosby's kids didn't deserve that. Yeah, did you try it on though? Like that thing I did was try it on. bizarre. I feel like that would be the someone would do that. Like someone probably will wear a denim tuxedo to it, and people are going to roll their eyes and they're going to be very smug about it. Like walking up those stairs. It's too on the nose. That's like that's yeah. sort of how I feel about it. Like I I don't know. I think like if you go like socks with slide like side slides with socks, that's a solid mm-hmm. alternative. Like a solid route what? to go. And like, and one mesh basketball shorts. And one would be dating yourself. But yeah, like, I feel like, I feel like at this point you got to go shorter than anything and one offers. But like, maybe if you're actually like, if you're trying to draw historical references, yeah, you go and one on the bottom. Maybe like LRG on top. This Met Gala, I just, it's going to be a real fashion minefield. We're just going to see a lot of people embarrassing themselves, trying to make, trying to pull shit off, ill-advised fits off. Speaking of poor denim looks and sportswear, that that was another thing that happened this week that uh, the Canadian Olympic team announced that they have a uh, a denim jacket from Hudson's Bay in their uh, closing ceremonies outfit. And this is always a big thing that I always forget about, like how political it is that 
what the Olympic team is wearing to the like opening and closing uh, Olympics uh, ceremonies. And uh, this one that Hudson's Bay did with Levi's is it's awful. It's very, very bad. I feel like this is this is a this is a declaration of war. I I am like a, a full stop prison abolitionist. Like fuck the carceral state, but someone needs to be held accountable for this jacket. <laughs> I've, it's not an American either, so it's like Canada can handle it in the way they want to. You you all can deal with it, but someone needs like there's someone needs to be held responsible for this jacket. And just on the front of this jacket, I'm seeing eight different fonts. It's like a pawn, it's like the pawn shop of jackets. Yeah. Just just using everything in the Oh yeah, you're right. I see eight as well. And I can't even get yeah. in on the tag. Yeah, it looks like just a regular Levi's tag. But yeah, it's like a type three that's heavily stonewashed and it's got like Canadian wow. flag patches. And then it's got a lot of like spray painted graffiti looking things on it where it just says Canada, 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 and then I'm guessing Canada in Japanese. The way they stylized the Y in Tokyo makes it look like Toxo. Toxo. <laughs> like it looks like an X. This is criminal. At every juncture where a good decision could have been made, uh, a heinous one was instead <laughs> enacted. Yeah. And it's, it's $198. I can't tell if this is Canadian or U.S. dollars, but either way, it is uh, Robbery. far too much. <laughs> And uh, I like that it has four reviews already, and it has three stars out of five. Uh, one of the, the reviews is, thanks, I hate it, one star, terrible design, overpriced, and looks worse in person. I think that this would have been made better by having a matching pair of pants. I think you need to fully commit to this look. I want to see those. I want to see the full Canadian tuck. They got to be shorts, I think, is, like, oh. is what's going on. And I think you need that like weird Canada, like that... <laughs> that three row C A N A D A thing going on needs to be right across the crotch. <laughs> like like some just on shorts. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh a hundred percent. You want to know what the actual uh bottoms are for this outfit? It oh. is uh like white stretch jeggings. Oh. That is what they're pairing this with. For everyone. That's what it looks like. I don't know. They only have the uh, what looks to be the women's uh, model. And it's like this black and gold like T-shirt with the maple leaf on it. And then, yeah, these very, very tight like white jeans that look to be like at least 30% stretch. Noted Canadian colors, black and gold. Wasn't there a time mm -hmm. when like Isimiyaki was doing Olympic uniforms and shit? I feel like it was like the 92 Olympics. The only thing that I can remember that's super notable is like, I forget it was one or two Olympics ago that Polo, like Polo's always done the US ones mm -hmm. and like half the outfit was made in China and everyone had a big stink about that. And then they were like, oh, okay, fine. We'll make it in America. Well, I'm, I'm looking back at the Ralph Lauren USA Olympic team fits and it seems like a lot of those bottoms are very skinny, stretch white jeans as well yeah, so they don't have to be fitted and they can just be like everyone's wearing stretch jeans like it fits all of your big like freakish athlete legs I don't know and I remember one of them they had like these big like cowboy gloves were a part of it it was like these fringed suede like 
monstrosities that cost like $400 or something. And everyone made us think about that too. But, uh, speaking of a, a uh, denim jacket that isn't horrible and is not likely to start a, an international conflict, we got a Capital Westerner jacket uh, that just dropped this week that I, I am a big fan of. That uh, it's taking, you know, Capital just does a great job of combining all the different details of uh, different American brands. And this one is, is very much just like a, a Stormrider, uh, a Lee Stormrider, but done very basically and done, you know, longer, uh, which is useful because you know, old waistbands used to be very, very high. And so the, the jackets were, were cut very, very high. And uh, just a, a, a basic capital thing, but I, I enjoy it quite a bit. It doesn't look particularly long. Am I crazy? It's, it's longer. Th- Have you ever owned one of those older Storm Riders? No, those don't. No, they stop at like your rib cage. I, I've tried them on, and I have a long torso, which is why I haven't. I got long torso, short legs. Uh, that's why I haven't done it. Like they just don't fit me. It, there is a range where, like, having your like end of your jacket right above like the waistband of your pants that I think like works. But at a certain level, it just looks comical. Yeah, I've got a cropped Mon Italy sweatshirt from forever ago that I do like because it's just like a little shorter. I don't know if it's supposed to be cropped, but that's the way it's going. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so like I do, I like a little bit like the, the levels on those layers is cool, but I, those jackets have always like, it felt like it, everything had to be contained inside it too. Do you guys, I mean, I, I know David, I suppose both of you have owned Capital at some point. I, I have never actually owned any Capital and their kind of low key stuff like this appeals to me. Is that worth it, or does it feel like that's just kind of missing the capital point? You know, with their kind of more avant garde shit. I mean, the craftsmanship is always incredible. Like, mm-hmm. even on the most simple pieces, it's just like it's dynamite. Like whether it's just like rock solid single needle or like, I mean, the this one, I remember they usually do that sawtooth. I feel like down that placket, like the mm-hmm. Storm Rider. Um, yeah. And I was always really impressed with their normal shit, just like their their sort of wild stuff. And the fit is very, very, very good. Like uh, it, capital uh, size three capital fits me better than pretty much any other Japanese brand. Is uh, they aren't um, devoted entirely to the uh, like historical reproduction fits, so they're willing to make it a little bit more slimmer and contemporary, and like work with other things in your uh, that you might have in your closet. So yeah, like a capital version of one of these is usually something that I would be more drawn to than any other like uh, repro brand that might be doing it more authentically. But like, I find the capital one is always just going to be way more wearable. Good to know. Even if their stuff is avant garde, I love the 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 ridiculous, crazy stuff as well. But uh, the you aren't missing the boat or like um, falling out on capital if you just buy something normal. No, yeah, I've I've got both like some of their wild stuff. Um, like I've got those like Sarowell pants. How do you say those? Did I say that right? I don't know. No, I, about, I, like I don't a, even like know if pant. Kiro could tell you if they, it's like a harem pant. Right. And those things, mm. I think the rise on those things is like 94 inches, um, somehow. And I love those pants, but then I also have a pocket tee that fits great. And the cotton is so good on it. Like I wish all my t-shirts were made of that. I mean, I guess they would have been a lot of money if they were, um, bless that discount 
And then I think their Aloha shirts are about as good as anyone, like the fit wise. Again, you got to go mm-hmm. up if you want them big. Like I buy a large or extra large and all capital stuff. But um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I love like I got their like weird island cutout one a few years back with the wooden buttons. And that thing is like, like bury me in that thing kind of deal. Uh, this is reminding me of a time that Gerald came and visited me in New York for one of the, the trade show seasons. And he went to Blue and Green, and he came back all excited. And he was like, oh, I got some capital at Blue and Green. And I was like, oh, awesome. What did you get? And he bought a pair of plain white socks. That he spent like, <laughs> that he spent like $66 on them. And I was like, Gerald, like, why did you buy those socks? He's like, I like the socks. It's like, more power to you. He went full pot for the socks working at Union Made. That's incredible. We... The, my favorite part about getting to do like when they would bring us in for the capital like shoots or whatever is they would always want us to wear capital socks and they just write them off like lunatics. So I would mm. just go find, I'd be like, yeah, like let's find some $62 like embroidered socks with some metallic thread in there and rock. So I've got a bunch the of like, socks are incredible. They're amazing. Like they make your feet look very weird sometimes, like just depending on the color, mm-hmm. but that's like even, it might be better. I don't know. I love their socks. Speaking of socks and things that you put your socks into, uh, Albert, you had another new release that was out this week. Yeah, thank you for that incredible transition, David. Um, Don't um, working hard on the segue. Don't do that. It's B minus. <laughs> um, You're very generous, Reed. So I I wrote up the um, uh, there's some there's some uh, there's going to be different pronunciations of this brand. I'm going to say M.A. Leon Dor. Uh, mm-hmm. The New Balance, um, the new New Balance is done by M.A. Leon Dor. We'll say ALD from here on out. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 550s. Um, I'm not a sneakerhead by any means. Um, I've I have a hard time finding sneakers that appeal to me, but the first release of these sneakers really set my heart aflutter, and I was not able to get them the first go around. Um, but I am entered in the raffle this time and really interested in 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 getting a pair uh again like i'm not a sneakerhead. i don't really know how they're going to fit how they're going to feel i don't actually own any new balances nor have i ever owned new balances um although i you know the the 990s various 990s speak to me so uh yeah i mean you guys are probably more schooled in the world of uh new balance of sneakers than i true to size there is something to be said for an all leather uh, athletic shoe. I feel mm. like we don't do that anymore. And especially one like this, where it looks like there's twice as much leather as there is shoe that, you know, it's just like panel on panel on panel. I like the way they look too, but like, I can imagine these are like two pounds a shoe. Uh, they look a lot like the, the Reebok, uh, the, the eighties ones, like the workout plus or something. Reed, you would know better than me. Yeah. The 85 workout plus. Not as much like the clubs. It's like the one that's, or the power phase kind of um, Adidas is like aerobic shoe, but the collar on it's a little higher. They're not as heavy as you'd think. I didn't get the first pair. I like angrily refreshed a browser and then angrily missed, um, which is like a super healthy thing for a 30 something year old to do. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I love, I think that silhouette's great. They, they did a general release too through New Balance, like after that first round, and they sold through pretty quickly, except for some of like the I'm not gonna say hurt colorways, because they weren't like they were all pretty good, but like the less the less uh appealing colorways, I guess, sat for a sec. But I think they're all gone now also. And um yeah, both these coming up look really good. 
the off-white leather that they did for the specifically for the collab ones, I like a lot more because the general general release ones were the same silhouette, but just a, like kind of a harsher white, and it didn't feel as good to me. Yeah, it actually it was similar to the way that Adidas rolled out like the power phases where they did that off-white uh, for like the the Kanye version, and then they went with the true white for the uh, general release. I got both of those at various points and it's weird because i now very much enjoy like the true white um on those so maybe if you see the true white ones you might come around but yeah the those are great they're gonna sell out in like four minutes or like four seconds not minutes um so if, if anyone's looking for them make sure you get like all your information loaded into shop pay and have like everything completely on deck I'm always so blown away by like all the handwork that goes into making a, one of these older pairs of sneakers. It's just like, look at all the stitches on this thing. This is like hours and hours and hours. Well, probably not because they probably have you know someone of uh, indeterminate age that uh, is is very good at this of of assembling something like this quickly. But like a while ago, like I had a uh, a harebrained idea of trying to make a a pair of Air Jordans out of Kevlar. Um, and I bought a pair of Jordan ones and I took them apart with a like stitch ripper and like tried to like reverse engineer the pattern. And it's so difficult. Like there's so much more work that goes into making something like this than it is a pair of jeans or like even outerwear or something like that. There's that guy, uh, there's that guy JBF Customs on he has a real name and I apologize for not saying it, but he's on Instagram. He's like, he specializes in the one. And yeah, when he put like lays those things down before he lasts them, there's like 15 pieces of leather that, that are all cut out um, on top of each yeah. other. And you have to bend them in really, really weird ways. Is I got mine disassembled and there's like cement that is in all this stuff too. So you have to like undo the stitches and then like unglue all of it. And uh, then you have to bend it in a bunch of weird ways and like steam treat it to make it go in those like directions and form to the last. It's uh, impressive stuff. I have a funny relationship with sneakers because growing up, I feel like I was kind of in a pop culture vacuum. Like I didn't consume a lot of like sports or music or anything that was kind of current. So I feel like a lot of sneakers that were like that mattered to people now. I have no awareness. Like I've never owned a pair of Jordans. I feel like I don't like so when I see I feel like I'm figuring out what kind of sneakers I like to this day that aren't like your kind of Vans or Chucks that you see all the time and I feel like something about kind of a chunky a little bit dorky uh, white sneaker feels like it's not being dishonest I feel like I'm kind of it's I'm kind of a square as a person it feels like it's not I'm not like I'm not too far out of my lane not trying to be somebody else and I like that this is such like a retro inspired shoe and like it'll kind of gel with the rest of my stuff. Yeah, it doesn't feel like a dishonest buy. Sometimes I buy a sneaker and I feel like it doesn't feel like honest, you know? Mm, I, I get what you're saying. Uh, an article that, that came across my feed this week that I, I just had to bring up. It's an older one, but it, it, it entered the discourse for a second time. Uh, or maybe this is the first time, maybe it just like laid low, but it is from our friends over at the Cato Institute. If you are not familiar with them, they are a libertarian think tank bankrolled by the Koch brothers. And uh, brother, the headline it's here... It's just a Koch brother now. Uh, the, 
I thought there was the other one that stayed out of uh, out of politics. He's still alive. Oh, there might be a third. I guess I don't know. One I just, of the evil ones died, but I think there are like all there are two if, others that are still remaining. If any, if it's involved in the Cato Institute, yeah, they're not well, on the our team. The extra evil. There was one that like died, or uh, the one that died was definitely an evil one. Then there was another one that's like probably pretty evil because he's also a billionaire, but like just didn't participate in trying to uh, like desecrate unions and kill poor people but you ready for this headline it's uh why you shouldn't knock sweatshops you care if you care about women's empowerment so the 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 thesis of this thing is that sweatshops in uh developing countries for for lack of a better term because i really i don't know what the better term is but uh i'm sure there is one uh that sweatshops there are things that help women, um, I guess, be girl bosses by slaving away at for like 40 cents an hour in really unsafe and uh, abusive work environments. Um, you, you ready for some of this? I thought this shit was a reductress headline when I first saw it on Twitter. Like, I thought it was like the onion's arm of... It feels like a joke. Yeah, like I thought it was like... <laughs> Yeah, like, whatever, like, anti-capitalist hero or bad at my job. Like, one of those headlines. Like, you know, like... Added to which, the the author in her picture looks like she's just been informed the time and place she will die. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it feels like an offshoot of the uh, hire more women guards joke. Uh, the, the general thesis here, just, like, uh, let me read a little bit. Factories producing Ivanka Trump brand clothing have recently drawn quote-unquote, sweatshop accusations. Of course, the United States had its own sweatshops once, often with worse conditions than factories in poor countries today. So, starting off great. Uh, also, just for clarity, this ran originally in The Federalist in 2017, which is why they're talking like about Ivanka Trump's clothing line as if it's current. Those who imagine Industrial Revolution factory work in the United States as a dark and oppressive moment in history might benefit from reading the words of those who lived through it. Farm to Factory Women's Letters, 1830 to 1860, published by Columbia University Press, provides a collection of first-hand accounts revealing a more nuanced reality. The letters do indeed reveal abject misery, but much of that misery comes from 19th century farm life. To many women, factory work was an escape from the brack-breaking agricultural labor. Oh, Reed, this is something that we discussed a couple months ago when we were talking about life in the mill towns. And, uh the ridiculous propaganda that came out of those where women were being forced to work like 70 to 80 hours a week until they often passed out. And then like some of the rich people that came by and observed them would say like, Oh, this is so much better than working on farms. They should be so privileged to be here, which just feels like the, the, the federalist society has not progressed from those obviously very tone deaf opinions from 170 years ago. I think that's on their about us page. <laughs> right? Like these opinions yeah. were formed 150 years ago and haven't been updated since. If no one out there, if people out there aren't following the Federalist Pitch Bot, it's like one of my favorite uh, Twitter accounts on planet Earth. Um, but yeah, no, it's like libertarians are wild to me. Like the, so they got a town in New Hampshire recently. Have you heard about Grafton, New Hampshire? Uh, I, I've heard of it, yes. So, like, it was overrun by bears. 
completely like libertarians took control of city governments, like a working experiment. There's a full book on it, plenty of podcasts. The town got overrun by bears, like number one for a number of reasons, uh, which I won't get into here. But also uh, a lot of people with uh, a lot of sex offenders decided to come to Grafton. We'll say in a politically- because they just didn't have a, a sex offender list? Well, no, it's th- apparently that's like part of the shit is that yeah. it's like there's no like libertarian. I feel like libertarian ideology just tends to bring out like the worst of who you are is why you're a libertarian. Like in college, I remember like a lot of drug like people who were like, I don't want drug laws. And it's like, oh, you want to use drug with impunity? That works. Like, I understand why there's like gun libertarians who just want to own a lot of guns. But it's like outside of that, it gets so dark and so dicey. Let's be clear. Let's not badmouth these bears. These bears are neither libertarians nor sex offenders, correct? Correct. No, the bears actually, the bears got super stoked on donuts because one resident was <laughs> feeding them donuts uh, and like got really close with the bears. But the bears were like, yo, this lady's got donuts. I bet all these people have donuts. It, and it turned into a situation where all the people didn't have donuts. But like bears are smart creatures. They had a pack of them roaming around the town, like kind of making people scared. But they had. They had actually defunded the police in a weird twist of events. And their only squad shoe theory in action. Only squad car was like completely inactive. So the cop just stopped showing up to work. And so there was just like, I mean, it was like they didn't work. They didn't have money to repair it. And so um, yeah, there was really nothing to do about the bears. Like the bears would just kind of go around. People would try to scare them. It sounds better with bears, because you know, bears, I think their base state are anarcho-socialists. Yeah, no, and, uh, I believe that's correct historically. There's a part in this article where the author mentions that one of the 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 mill workers um, left to join this kind of like proto-socialist commune, um, but then uh, but then she says, as these things, as these experiments always go, you know, and just said, you know, just bad mouthing socialism in there as well. Did the woman come back? Oh, it was a it was a weird thing where she was like, "Oh, the factory work is good because it allowed this woman to save up and live out her dream to go live on a socialist commune." But you know, socialism doesn't work, so it failed, and she <laughs> had to come back. I think it place burned down, so I don't think it was really the fault of uh... <laughs> fire. Fire the the true enemy of socialism. <laughs> <laughs> One of these like section headlines is literally "Factory work could mean freedom," which just like, I don't know, you take a couple words out of that and it has some serious Holocaust illusions. Oh, yikes. Yeah. It is uh, very, very dark shit here. But and it, isn't that also kind of the Federalist thing? Is it's like if you took three words out of anything, there's some serious like Third Reich illusions? Yeah, it, it starts to get Nazi pretty fast. Uh, I just, there's, if there's this like attitude in this that I feel like you see in a lot of like I, I, you know, in LA, a lot of my friends are assistants and you know, talent agents and people like that. And there's just this expectation that your boss will treat you like shit simply because their boss treated them like shit. And it's like this never ending cycle of treating people like shit. And I feel like the argument here is like, you know, people always endure terrible things and therefore it's okay. And it's like, I, I just hate that argument for like why things are bad because it was bad for somebody else. This is the stu- it's, it's capitalist the, hazing. Yeah, that's, it's the stu- that's what they're advocating for. It's here. the student debt argument too. It's exactly what it is. It's capitalist hazing. It's just like I like I suffered, so everyone else should suffer. It's like I, but like, yeah. Do they need to? 
<laughs> yeah, and that's, that's even what they're claiming here of just like, oh, they have to do this to get through it and move to our form of economic development, which has this like, I don't know, phrenological like form of like teleology of just like the way we are is perfect and they're on their way to becoming us because we're also perfect. Also, I, f- uh, I feel like French pilots had a better success rate in World <laughs> War One. Like, Good callback. <laughs> and yeah, at the same time, like, and you look at these other countries that uh, the author mentions in terms of the Industrial Revolution, like, you know, Western Europe and the United States, a lot of what they were developing, like, was there for their own people, where, like, you know, people working in American sweatshops and these mills that she's describing were making fabric that were that wasn't really exported. It was made and like used within the same economy. Whereas like what's happening in these developing countries with sweatshops, it's purely extractive. Like none of the stuff that they're making there, it's, it's like they're being exploited because they they'll work for less money. And like American capitalists can uh, profit off of that. Because like they're selling the, what, the things that they make with insane markup, even for... Uh, things that cost as cheap as what's being imported from these sweatshops. But like all of that value is being stolen from these people doing the work and it's not staying in those economies at all. And it's not helping those places develop. And there's no safety net, right? And like, you know, when, when all the big high street stores canceled their orders at the start of the pandemic, you know, billions of dollars of orders, you know, there was no recourse for the people working in the factories. It wasn't like, you know, H&M or Zara really cared about the folks in Bangladesh. Uh, yeah, no, it, this is just like, this is such a tone deaf and unpleasant piece of writing. I just always like the capitalist, like the defense, right? In that situation where it's like, they only talk about the work ethic and they don't talk about like any of the socioeconomic politics around it. It's just like, we folks need to go through what women went in the 1800s to, to achieve some sort of like capitalist nirvana, like whatever feminist nirvana that she's, she's hypothesizing. But it's like, I feel like no one wants to go back to that time. Like if you ask people from that time who were killing it, they'd be like, nope, let's not do that. Like I have no idea mm-hmm. what she isn't advocating for in particular. Like if it's like, you need to take your lumps as a society to get where, to get where we got. If that's like the case, it's like, I feel like we've been around for like 200 years, 250 years and taken like relatively few lumps as a society. I feel like like if we've taken enough, then like they certainly have, if that's the logic. It's almost like anti-vaxxer logic of just like, you'll be stronger if you go through the pains of like this disease of uh, this form of economic development, rather than just like, you don't have to. Yeah, no, it's like, it's not about winning or losing, but the scars we got along the way or whatever. Like, I have no fucking (laughs) clue what she's saying. Like, it's just, it's preposterous to me. It's like, it's like, you know, like the only way folks in India can like, you know, can manage to get to the like feminist heights of the United States is by doing what we did. It's like, I don't know, that country's been around way longer than we have. I feel like they've done enough. Like they said, that's enough. What are you arguing? Uh, The the article closes here. Women factory workers are often thought of as undifferentiated, homogenous, faceless, and voiceless, passive victims. But even a cursory examination of their words and lives reveals unique individuals with agency. Today, just as in the 19th century, industrialization not only spurs economic development and reduces poverty, but also expands women's options. Which, like, 
Tell that to the 3,000 plus women that died in Rana Plaza. Like <laughs> it's, It has to be wild working for the Federalists when you can just say shit like that. And they're like, have you looked this up on the internet? And it's like, no. And they're like, you haven't found any quotes from these female factory workers that you're, that you're citing. And she's like, absolutely not. And they're like, great, let's run it. Because if she did a cursory search, basically anytime any of these folks are interviewed by like members of the serious news media, they're like, my life is terrifying. I work 18 hour shifts and I can't even take a piss. Like, and that's like a pretty good case. And that's like the ones where they're like, they get paid a dollar a day and things are pretty good. You know, and then it gets down into like the 35 cents a day range and it's just absolutely terrifying. Yeah. So don't buy things from sweatshops. Uh, that, that, that's sort of the sum up here. And don't buy these shitty arguments from the Federalist Society or the Cato Institute. Buy less, buy better. In just a sec, we'll come back with more compelling arguments on why Blazers might be coming back. We live in a fast-paced world. Sometimes, you just need to slow down and stop. Heddles Plus, the new membership program of exclusive content, giveaways, discounts, and a community chat forum. Try a month free with the code EXTRABLOWOUT. Welcome back for our final segment here today. Uh, Albert, you recently wrote an article about uh, making a case for the blazer and the sport coat, which is a a garment that doesn't get a lot of love, I feel like, on our site, but uh, you would like to change that. I would. Um, I became interested in the blazer after I did a rental on that clothing rental site, Seasons. And I got this Margaret Howell um, uh, kind of, it was kind of like a corduroy blazer. It was a little, it was a little oversized and it was something that I thought would make me feel kind of dorky, but really made me feel good. Um, And admittedly, it was kind of in the coldest part of the year that we have here in LA, but it was something just felt right about it. So I just was kind of, I just kind of started looking around a little more. And I found, you know, all these amazing uh, airport uh, photos from the 90s. There's photos of Denzel um, and photos from the 80s of Harrison Ford. And just these like people that, you know, are, are obviously incredibly cool uh, wearing a piece of clothing that I kind of had associated with having to go to like my friend's bar mitzvahs or kind of kind of more formal events that were not very fun. Um, having to like dress up and not feel like myself. So to see cool people wearing them in this kind of relaxed way with, you know, kind of beat up old 501s. And I realized that so much of my wardrobe that I've built over the, my time being in the Heddles verse is this kind of like harder, tougher workwear that I feel like elevates, elevates, that works nicely with um, a kind of more piece of tailored clothing like an old tweed blazer or whatever so that's how i started on that journey and i don't see myself going back i'm going to keep experimenting with the funky sport coats i find at thrift stores and places like that reed i see you've gotten into the mood here yeah put on a blazer nice i said i had one in sight i was like let's let's get in let's get in the vibe it's a it's an old TSS blazer. It's got functioning cuffs, which is cool. I don't understand people. I, I like never. It's weird to like consider rolling up a blazer, but um, this one you could. I found my niche to be kind of the like fuzzier, heavier blazer. So I love like a tweed, and I love like a corduroy. 
I love like an earth tone and kind of like a slouchy fit. Um, that's do you like them structured or unstructured? You know, the, a lot of the ones that I've found so far have been structured. Um, but I do think that I would like to get some unstructured as well. Just kind of that more casual fit. But I mean, these are early days in my blazer journey. And I also feel like I was turned off to blazers because I think there are people that wear them in kind of a costumey way in our kind of extended fashion menswear world. And I was just trying to find a way that felt honest to me and didn't feel like I was dressing up as someone else. That was the challenge. They also needed to cool down a little bit. Like I feel like J. Crew went a little a little hard with the uh wear blazers and jeans, it's okay thing, like to the point where mm. they were just like aggressively hawking these navy blue blazers and dark wash denim. And it mm-hmm. it was just like this like you'd see it walking down the street and it's like what J. Crew is closest, I bet you if I talked to an associate, they'd remember that person. <laughs> like there was like desert boots on the feet. There was like probably a gingham shirt chuck check tucked into the into the jeans, maybe not tucked, but it was just like it was the Mickey Drexler uniform that just like it it overtook everything. And I think that like blazers from that point on, at least for me, I was just like, I don't know. Like it did take this like sort of yeah, like this the wave of like those nineties, like some are double breasted because they're just like a little bit boxier. Like I don't necessarily know if I'm into the length of everything that was going on them, but like at least the width and like that was, I, I really do like those. And then Jerry Lorenzo at fear of God just did like, I'm not a huge fear of God person. Like I respect what he does. I think it's really cool. I love that. It's like anti-season and it's like very much shit he wants to wear, but those suits that he just did this season for collection seven are insane. Like they are so good. They put one on the cover of Vogue. They put Francis McDormand on, on the cover of Vogue in one of those things. Like they're, they're staggering and like they look like the best of all like 90s tailoring that i remember and he specifically referenced uh denzel in the early 90s for that collection right yeah yeah like the thing amy was talking about yeah like the pelican brief like era denzel like that whole um and so yeah i'm i'm with you i think that like (laughs) i saw it was funny today i was walking around i saw some dude at walking out of Pilgrim Surf Supply wearing like the Ass Pizza Triple Box logo um, that he just did. I don't know if anyone saw that. That was that was pretty awesome. Um, but he was wearing just like this old ass gray blazer over the top of it with some work pants. And I was just like, oh, yeah, like this is going to be a thing. Like this, this is happening this summer is like the blazer. So. I also, uh, the, and then the, the, the spring, uh, the spring Noah collection had a really beautiful double breasted uh, blazer that really, you know, I think that that put all the pieces together for me as well, where it just seemed like boxy and wearable. And I know that they're kind of positioned in a cool place, so it's not going to be, you know, and then seeing those fear of God suits also um, is doing it for me. And I, I recently subscribed to Letiquette magazine. That's Gautier Borsarello's magazine. Um, it's in French and now they're just doing a bilingual version, but, uh, there's, he has like a lot of like husbands, Paris, those suits, which tend to be kind of big and double breasted. And, and I remember growing up, if I flew anywhere with my parents, my dad would just wear a big blazer and I never thought about it, but like, it's perfect for travel. It's got all the pockets. It's it's really warm. Like if you need to, if you need a layer, like you just wear a t-shirt and a tweed blazer over that, and you're set for pretty much whatever 
could come your way in a casual day around town. And uh, it makes me feel like a whole ass adult. And I, you know, in a, and in a, you know, in a, in an era of life that's been kind of infantilizing, it's good to feel like, I, yeah, I'm a grown up and I'm doing okay, you know. I think we we covered it. I think that that's a podcast. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, if you want to hear more, or uh, you can subscribe to Heddles Plus, that uh, you have discounts, giveaways, more episodes of this podcast more exclusive content, and you can find that at heddles.plus. Just go to your browser and type in heddles.plus. And uh, any question, comment, concerns, read what is our email address? It is blowout at heddles.com. And we also have a Google Voice number now, which is... The page is loading, and our... Google voice number. Give us a call at 720-675-7098. Leave us a voicemail. We will probably play it uh, unvetted on the air. Uh, it's uh, Albert. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. And uh, thanks everyone for listening. Bye-bye.